0: There we go. All right. All right, guys, so if you have a copy of the word this morning, we're going to be in the book of Genesis chapter 26 today. Genesis chapter 26. We're going to be looking at what I'm calling God's eternal value system. You're going to see why in just a minute, why this is so very important. We're going to we're going to be introduced to a term in the scripture today that is used for the very first time in Genesis 26, and, and that term is laws, my laws. When, when you think about the word law, what, what, what kind of a feeling do you have associated with law? I think sometimes we kind of have a negative connotation or a negative perspective when we think about the law. You know, it's kind of got a heavy feeling, a burdensome kind of um, feeling surrounded behind the law. It it was making me think back when I was a a young and dumb teenager. Uh, You're uh, you're probably not going to believe, but I, I used to be pretty disrespectful to the law. I drove a 1982 white El Camino with tinted windows, Big shiny rims, big tires. It had a V eight. It would go. I was just asking for trouble, right? Drew a lot of attention to myself. And I'll never forget, I don't know, it's probably 17, somewhere around there, but I'm driving through town in my white El Camino, and I think I was going a little above the speed limit. That's that's debatable. I got pulled over. R- routine traffic stopped right. All I had to do was be what? That's all I had to do. Was I respectful? I smarted off, gave the the police officer some lip for no reason at all because I was a young, dumb, arrogant teenager, and they commenced to taking me to jail. Your pastor's been arrested and fingerprinted, by the way. Now, at the end of the day, they didn't charge me with anything. But it was a learning experience to be respectful to the law, right? Now, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but to make matters worse, later that night, I just may have gotten caught trying to sneak into my future wife's bedroom window, And my mother-in-law, our first formal introduction was that she caught me sneaking into her daughter's window and knew that I had been arrested that day. That's how we basically met. And yes, she did still come to the wedding. She actually did everything for us for the wedding. She's an amazing person. But I think about this word law and, you know, we oftentimes, again, just kind of had this this weird association with law, and especially when it comes to the idea of law in the Bible, you know, we oftentimes, I think, have a big misunderstanding of the purpose of God's commandments, of God's law. See, really what we're talking about today is a value system. Everybody in this room has a value system. What is your value system? Those are the things in your life that you... You hold to be important, your convictions, the things that you think are morally good and true and right and honorable. That is, that is kind of your value system, okay? And everybody has one. Every person has a value system, and basically, these are the convictions, your beliefs that, that drive your behavior in life. These are the things that you feel like are most important in life that, that dictate or should dictate your behavior now what what happens to us is that not always it's, it's not always the case that our our behavior matches our value system sometimes we we do things that are in opposition to our value system and most of the time those are big what mistakes those are sins those are things that we regret right because we violated this value system that we have but you as an individual you have a value system families usually have a value system right like It's either my rules or the highway, right? That's usually what the parents are going to say, right? You're going to come in my house, you're going to live by my what? My rules, my laws, my value system. Families have value systems. People have value systems. Communities have value systems. The city of Bartlett has laws that they go by, that that these uh, police officers and um, people of law enforcement enforce to make us feel what? Safe. Like these are good things that we should appreciate because we expect and hope that people will be law abiding citizens because if they're obeying the law, then we're going to be protected and we're going to be safe. It's the people who break the law that cause all the what? All the trouble, all the problems, right? And then countries themselves, nations, they have a value system. And ours here, the United States of America, the Founding fathers got together, and they said, hey, let's come up with what are the values, what are the the core principles that we want to build our nation upon? And they wrote the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights. And so that's, that's the value system of the United States of America. Well, guess what? Guess who else has a value system? God does. God has his own set of rules and laws and standards and morals and um, instructions or whatever. We're going to get into that in just a minute. but, But he has his own value system. And what we find out here in Genesis 26 is amazing to me because we're introduced to this value system all the way back here in the book of Genesis, chapter 26. So let's read the first five verses today and let's see how we need to maybe get a gain a better understanding of what God's value system is, what it's designed to do, and, and how we're supposed to really understand it, and how it applies to our life today, okay? So in Genesis chapter 26, now we've kind of been through uh, Abraham, and we've, we've looked at Isaac, the life of Isaac, and then Isaac marries Rebekah. Last week, we kind of looked at Jacob and Esau, and this, this whole younger will serve, the older will serve the younger, this, this paradox of the kingdom. And right here in Genesis 26, we see that God says something profound. And look what it says in verse 1. It says, now, there was a famine in the land, and beside, beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, so this is a subsequent famine that comes later in the days of Isaac, And it says, Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring or in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's the very same thing that God told Abraham multiple times, right? So we see the, the line, the covenant promises being passed from Abraham now onto Isaac. He's re- reestablishing, reaffirming this, this promise that he made to Saul Abraham. And look at what he says. I'm going to back up. He says... In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my what? Laws. Now, wait a minute. I thought God's law didn't show up until Exodus 19 at the Mount Sinai, the giving of the Ten Commandments. But we're being told right here, Um, I don't know how many years 400 or plus years before that time happened in history that Abraham was a man who was already being obedient to God's what God's law his commandments so let's unpack this a little bit and let's see if we can gain a better understanding of what's going on here so the first thing that I want to share with you is that God has an eternal value system and it has a name guys it's called Torah okay the Torah. Anybody ever heard that word, Torah? It's kind, of a, it's kind of a gained a lot of attention lately in the church, the Christian circles, um, kind of a big buzzword right now. You, you see a lot of different groups that are called like um, Hebrew roots people, people who are Torah observant, um, Messianic uh, Christians, people like that who are who are trying to understand and figure out, like, you know, how, what is our relationship to the, the law of God? Like, like, where does it fit? And interestingly enough, our church here, Christ Church, every Sunday afternoon, we're one of I think we're the only church in the Memphis Mid-South area that actually hosts something called what? You might know Torah Club. Torah Club. Miss Jane Bevel and some others lead that. If you want to know more about what is this thing called Torah or you're interested in that or just kind of learning more about it and, and like the, the Hebrew mindset or the Hebrew context of scripture, that would be a great place to start. Sunday afternoons, what time, Ms. Jane? 3 p.m. They meet right here. Uh, the Torah Club. So if you're interested in that, get involved in that because I think if something's happening, God's trying to kind of get our attention about this thing that we call the law or what the Bible calls the Torah. Now, now generally speaking, we can say that the Torah represents the first what? The first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. As a whole, this thing called Torah really does encapsulate all five books of the, the first five books of the Bible. And this word is often, most of the time in your Bible, it's translated, the word Torah or Torot, it's a Hebrew word. And most of the time when you read it in your Bible, it's going to be translated as law. It's going to be law, okay? But what it really refers to, guys, is God's value system. It's, it's what he believes. It's, it's the things that he upholds as good and true and life-giving and is a blessing to us "This is these are God's core principles, core values that are really, to be honest with you, they're as old as he is. See, let me just ask you a question. When did God's value system begin? It's always been. It's as old as he is. God's value system has been in his heart as long as he's been around. As last time I checked, how long has God been around? Forever. So he's got these core values. And it's called the Torah. And the best way I want you guys, anybody ever heard B-I-B-L-E, basic what? Instructions. Instructions before leaving earth. Anybody ever heard that before? Great acronym. I want you to think about the Torah like that. These are basic what? Instructions, right? How many, how many parents stayed up late on Christmas Eve trying to put together the, the dreaded toy? the dreaded project, right? Am I, am I spilling the beans for anybody out here? I'm sorry. What do you do on the night of Christmas Eve, and you got to put it together, right? You better have the what? You better, unless you're proud, which I've been before, and I don't need that thing. I got this thing all figured out, right? And then three hours later, I'm like, okay, finally, I'm going to look at the what? I'm going to look at the instructions, and now I know how to put it together, right? So instructions are good things. Instructions tell us how things are supposed to operate, how things are supposed to work, how they fit together. And God's Torah or his law are basically good instructions that he has given to mankind. He's revealed these things to mankind to basically guide us into how we should live our lives. Now, what's interesting is that I believe, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that God was teaching Adam and Eve his instructions. Now, he, was, he didn't have to share everything with Adam and Eve because they were just the first two human beings on the planet, right? I mean, how many, how many possible things could they get in trouble with, right? It's just only two people, right? So it's like bringing a little kid. When your children are little in your home, you basically have one or two laws, right? Don't tell a lie and don't bite your sister. Something like that, you know? Like, you don't have to go into explanation about all the different rules in your house. But as your children grow up, you start adding more what? You start adding more rules. Okay, this situation came up. You did something that was wrong. Let's talk about it. Now you need to understand this is a value. This is our value system. And as you grow older and more mature, you can handle more rules. And so Adam and Eve probably didn't know everything at the beginning. We know they didn't. But as they progressively went along through Noah, and then here we get all the way to Abraham. Now, see, there humanity has a little bit more time, and there's there's more people on the earth, and there's a lot has really happened up until this time. So now, by the time Abraham comes on the scene, he needs to understand a lot more about God's value system. And apparently, we're not told exactly how and when and how it all was communicated to him. But Abraham had a very close relationship with the Lord. He walked with the Lord. He talked with God face to face. They had some very in-depth conversations. And so the Lord was telling Abraham, Hey, Abraham, these are my values. I guarantee you, Abraham knew it was wrong to commit murder, to commit adultery, to tell a lie, to steal, to bear false witness, to do all these things. Abraham knew these things were wrong. Why? Because God had told him and instructed him in these things that were important to him. Those were his values. So as you finally get to the Exodus story, and you got God delivers the Israelites out of Egypt. He does this miraculous work. He redeems them out of bondage. He has this massive multitude of, mixed multitude of people that he gets out of Egypt. He brings them to the base of Mount Sinai there to enter again that marriage covenant with them. And it's not like God finally got there and he said, wait a minute, oh no. I need to come up with some rules for these people to obey. Man, what am I going to do with all these people? Like, I need to come up with something real fast so that they can, like, have some structure in their life because they're like, they've been in Egypt for 400 years and they don't even know what's up from down. God didn't have to come up with anything offhand that day. His value system has already been very clearly established. We see that because Abraham knew what his laws and his commandments and his instructions were to be. Here's what happened on the day of Mount Sinai God just said, it's going to be important now that we do what? let's write them down let's go ahead and take the values and the laws and the instructions and the and the principles that i have as god and i want you to have as my people and i'm going to go ahead and put them in stone for you so that you have them right there in front of you and then not only were the ten commandments or the ten words written in stone but then we know that moses also copied them down in a what in a book or on a scroll and that scroll was read by Joshua and by subsequent generations, and people were encouraged, kings were encouraged to write their own copies of God's scroll, of God's law, of his Torah, because God wanted this to be in front of the people, and he wanted the people to know what his values were. And so that's what the day of the Ten Commandments given there at Mount Sinai is all about. Now, when you, I just want you to, to think about God's law in this way. There's really two brackets that everything else falls underneath, okay? Does anybody have a clue what that is? Jesus tells us in Matthew 22, if you want to keep my commandments, if you want to uphold my value system, there's two things you got to do. Anybody know? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. And love who? Your neighbor as yourself. So you can hang everything that God wants for us on those two. And then from those two then you have the 10 commandments. They fit underneath those two somewhere. If you look at all of the 10 commandments, it's either about loving who? Loving God or loving your neighbor. Okay? And then everything else that we receive in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, they're just an expansion an expansion of those two initial most important commandments or the 10 commandments. They all fit within underneath those commandments somewhere. So everything that God specifically gives us to do or the commandments that he shares with us in his word that we that you read in those books, they all fit in either one of two categories. Hey, I want you to do this because you when you do this, you're showing me that you love God or you're doing this because you want to love who your neighbor. You want to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, guys, here's here's the thing. The law of God is all about what? It's love. He wants us to know how to love him and how to love other people. That's it. And we're going to get a little bit more into that later, but just keep that in your mind. When we talk about the Torah or the law, it's all about God's love for us and for mankind. Okay. this is how the Bible describes the Torah. It's good. It is life. It's the way. It's the truth. It's the light. It's wisdom. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 19, let me just read this to you. This sums it all up. Psalm 19. Listen to how the scriptures describe God's law or his Torah. Okay? The law of the Lord is perfect. So can we improve upon God's law? can be improved upon. It's perfect. There's no deficiency in the law itself. Okay? It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. It makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. It gives joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant. It gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. It endures forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. And all of them are righteous. They're more precious than gold. They're much more precious than pure gold. Sweeter than honey. More than the honey from the honeycomb. Listen. By them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. Did you hear that? So when we... When we look at God's commandments, his instructions, it is good, it is perfect, it is it is right, it is true, it is trustworthy, and when we when we look at those things, we're warned, we're given warnings of what not to do, and if we do obey them, th- if we do obey those things, we are given a great what? A great reward. Tremendous joy, tremendous blessing in our life. So I hope I'm already kind of helping you disassociate at least what i used to believe is that god's law was bad it's a burden something that we got to get free from let's get this law thing out of our life man i don't want to be see here's the thing and i probably i'm jumping the gun a little bit but there's one thing that that we as christians we don't want to be called we don't want to be legalistic man i don't want to be a legalist Okay, we're going to talk about that later, but but keep that in mind. And I don't want to be legalistic. And here's something I love about this church. This church does not have a spirit of what? Legalism. But I think sometimes we misunderstand what that really means. But I'm thankful that we do belong to a body of Christ here that does not have a legalistic spirit. But we'll talk about that more in just a minute. So we see that God does have an eternal value system. It has a name, it's called the Torah. Torah can mean law, but I want you to think about it as B-I-B-L-E. Basic what? Basic instructions. These are God's good instructions for our benefit, and it's all about love for God and love for people. Number two, God's values and instructions never change. God's values and instructions never change. We already read in Psalm 19 that God's law is perfect. If his law is perfect, it can't be improved upon. We see in Psalm 119, it says that Torah is eternal. It says, see how I love your precepts, preserve my life, O Lord, in accordance with your love. See, it's all about love for God, love for others. He says, all of your words are true, and all of your righteous laws are eternal. How long is eternal? Forever. So this is telling us that God's righteous laws, his laws that he has given us, that he's revealed his value system to us, that this is eternal. Again, it was in the heart of God as long as God's been around. And he, he gave it to us through divine revelation. Obviously, there at Mount Sinai, he did get it written down for us through the prophet Moses. And thankfully, we now have it in a book that we can carry with us every single day right here in the Bible. But it is eternal. So his values never change. His instructions and his moral standards never change. And so we see here that God gave his instructions to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and eventually he gave it to the whole people or the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, and it was teaching them how to love God and their neighbors. And I've already said that, but the heart of the Torah, the heart of God's law is about love. Now, I want you to listen to what God intended For the children of Israel. See, he wanted the children of Israel to know how to love him and love each other and how to worship and how to live according to his value system, but his intention for Israel was not for them to keep it to themselves. Did you know that? He wanted Israel to be a light to who? All the nations. Now, unfortunately, they didn't always do a very good job of keeping and upholding and and representing God's value system. Okay? Because what happened, unfortunately, is many times the Israelites, they ended up becoming more like the nations around them than they did actually being a light of revelation to the nations to bring the nations to faith in the one true God. But listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says, See, I have taught you statutes and ordinances just as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow them in the land that you're about to enter and possess Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations. Who will hear of all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is talking about Israel. Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. For what nation is great enough to have a God as near to them as the Lord our God is to us wherever we call upon him? And what nation is great enough to have righteous statutes and ordinances like this entire law? that I've set before you today. You see, that was what God wanted for his people, was to take my value system, and then everywhere that you go, you introduce my value system to the nations. And then hopefully they'll adopt my value system, come to know and believe in me as the one true God, and that is the way that God intended to take over the world, right? Well, Israel felt at that big time. As i said they ended up becoming more like the nations than the nations ended up becoming like them let's take a minute and talk about the church for a second or the christian church right now let me just ask you a question do you think the world is looking more like us today or are we looking more like the world no we're no different we're no different god said i want to send you out as my disciples to go to all nations Make disciples. By the way, teach them everything that I what? Commanded you to do. And that's our job. Our great commission is to do the same that Israel's job was many, many years ago. But unfortunately, we have allowed the world to infiltrate the church. And we, have, we in many regards, we end up looking more like the world than we should. And the world does not look like the church because we're not doing our job as God's witnesses. It's no different than it was then. So then something amazing happens. So Israel blew it in many ways. And so God said, okay, they're obviously not getting the job done. I gotta go what? I gotta go do it myself. Enter in who? Jesus. Messiah is born into the world. He comes as the perfect embodiment and the fullest expression of The Torah of love, really, yeah. He is love. But what did, anybody ever have the wristband, what would Jesus do? I love those wristbands. What would Jesus do? It's a great question. I'll tell you what he would do. He would be perfectly obedient to the law. Did Jesus ever break one of God's commandments? Nope. So what would Jesus do? He'd be perfectly obedient to the law. So we should strive to be like who? Okay. Pretty simple, right? Now, I know it's a little bit more complicated than that, and I'm I'm leaving some big open-ended questions for you guys today to think about, but it is something that we should consider because this is something that only Jesus could do perfectly. Now, this is the thing that we have to understand. Who's the only one that could keep all of God's commandments perfectly? Jesus, we can't do that. So he had to do that for us, and I thank God that he fulfilled all perfect righteousness for us. But just because Jesus did it perfectly and we can't, does that mean that we should stop what? Trying. Trying. Now, no Christian in the world would say we need to stop obeying the Ten Commandments. I would hope. Like, we all understand there's still some things that we're kind of, you know, we should strive to do because we're doing this to be like who? to be like Christ in order to be obedient like him. We know we're not going to do it perfectly. Thank God Jesus took care of that. So we don't have to be perfect in that, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't what? We shouldn't strive. We shouldn't attempt. We shouldn't strive and try to be obedient just like Jesus was. Do we remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5? He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. But to what? Fulfill them. He's the the fullest expression. He's the perfect living embodiment of all of this. So when Jesus walked around, he is the law in the flesh. He is the love of God in the flesh. He loved God and his neighbor perfectly without error, without fault. He says, listen, he says, Truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a single jot or a stroke of the pen will disappear from the law until everything accomplished. Now this is serious. I want you to listen to verse 19. So then whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches other people to do likewise will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them will be called what? Great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is trying to help us understand here. Say, Hey, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to what? Fulfill it. And then you strive to be like me, and anybody who practices and teaches these things, you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. That's the words of Jesus himself. Not only that, but Jesus said, I'm going to equate love for God and love for me with obedience to my commandments. Listen to these guys. This is amazing. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever loves me, whoever keeps my, has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. The word that you hear is not my own, but it is from the Father who sent me. Listen to what he said in John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Now, where are the Father's commandments? what we would call the what? The Old Testament. Jesus came to keep what? The commandments in the Old Testament. The Torah. He says, I came to keep my Father's commandments. He says, if you will keep my commandments and remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Then he says, and again in the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have, commanded you part of discipleship is teaching God to te- keep teaching others how to obey God's law it's not complicated but he went a step further he said not only that I'm going to give you somebody to help you obey my commandments anybody have an idea who that is the Holy Spirit right I mean listen to what Jesus said he said all this I've spoken to you While I'm with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have commanded you. And then we look at Ezekiel 36. It says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and carefully observe my commandments. And then in Jeremiah 31, it says, this is the covenant that I make with the people of Israel at that time. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their what? On their hearts. So God wants the word, the law, to get from where? Here, where? Into here, in our hearts, so that we, don't, we, we know it, and, and the Spirit is who, who helps us do that. Amen. The Spirit is with us personally to, to lead us in the right way, and to say, no, this is good, this is not good. This is pleasing to God, this is not pleasing to God. That's what the Holy Spirit's role, one of His roles in our life, is to be our helper, and counselor, and teacher, and to lead us in all truth. And just if you were still wondering, what's this all about? i want to read one more verse to you about God's Torah, how it never changes. Listen to this from Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, listen to this. It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations will flow to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Now, listen, for out of Zion shall go the law, the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and settle many disputes from the peoples. Here's my here's my thing. When Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom on the earth, okay, he's coming back. We agree. He's going to be king of kings, Lord of lords. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we're going to be his citizens in the kingdom of Israel in this wonderful kingdom ruled by Jesus. And we're going to be under a constitution. Right now, we're, we're living in America. We're under the American what? Constitution. When we live in the millennial kingdom, we're going to be living under another constitution. It's going to be the Torah. It says the Torah is going to go out from Jerusalem over the whole earth. So we're going to be living in the millennial kingdom as God's citizens and we are going to be obedient to these laws. So that tells me that the same law or Torah that was in the heart of God before the foundation of the world, the same law that Jesus wrote with his own finger in the tablets of stone, the same law that Jesus said, I didn't. to abolish but to fulfill is going to be the same law that we're all going to be living under in the millennial what? His law never changes. It's always the same. Okay. But here's the last thing I want to share with you because this is probably the most important. And this is what I want you to really hear from me today. God's, God's commandments are not burdensome. They're not bondage. God's commandments are meant to be a what? Blessing. Blessing. To everyone who hears and obeys. What did it say about Abraham in in Genesis 26, if if you remember? Just read it again. It says, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my commandments. I think one of the biggest... Unfortunate misperceptions, misunderstandings that we've had. And I've, I've, I grew up in, in you know, uh, the church just like most of you. Is that somewhere along the way we got this idea that Jesus came to deliver us from the heavy oppressive bondage of God's law. It's not true. You see, there is something called The burden of the law and there's something called the curse of the law all that means guys is that when we break god's law when we break his commandments that is when we feel it's what burden it's not when we do them when we obey them we experience what blessing joy Success, good things in life come when we're obedient to God's commandments. But the minute that we step out of line with God and we transgress, as a matter of fact, the definition of sin in the Bible is to break God's commandments. Transgression of the law is considered to be sin. So what, it, what is the heavy burden on us, what brings a curse upon us, is not the law itself, but it's when we do what? Break it. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If we sow unrighteousness and break God's commandments, we're going to experience and reap unrighteousness and pain and death and curse and consequence. That's what the curse of the law is all about. The law itself is good. Remember, we established that. It's good. It's perfect. It's eternal. It's life. It's light. It's all of these wonderful things. But when we get out of line with God's law, that's when we feel the burden. I'll put it to you this way. Because I know I'm, I'm probably running out of time. and I, This is a, a good illustration that helped me. If you're out here on 240, what's the speed limit? 70 most, guys, most people don't obey the law, right? They're like 95 right past you. If you're driving down the freeway and you're going 70 miles an hour and you pass a, a highway patrolman, how do you feel? No, you're going the speed limit. How do you feel? Completely free, right? I don't have to worry about a thing because I'm doing what? I'm obeying the law. You see, as long as you're obeying the law, you're 100% free. You don't have to worry about what? Anything. You don't have to worry about anything, because you're free. You're being obedient. No consequences. But if you go past that highway patrolman doing 85 and a 70, and you see those blue lights, automatically you feel the what? Oh, you feel the burden then. Oh, no. I'm going to get a ticket, and then you have to pay the what? Pay the fine and pay the consequence for that. You see, the law itself is good. It's put in place for a reason, to protect us, to be a blessing to us, so that we all can be free to travel, hopefully, up and down the highway without worrying about killing each other. But it's the minute that you break that, the minute that you go beyond that law, that's when you feel the heavy burden and the curse and the consequence of the law. Guys, we've been... We've been misunderstanding this thing for so long. Listen to what 1 John says. By this we know that we love the children of God, and we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. So let's talk real quick before I go about legalism. What is legalism? I don't want us to be legalistic I don't want to be legalistic I don't want you to be legalistic because here there's two sides of legalism that I want to I want to address today because both are, are, are really bad the first side of legalism is thinking that we in some way somehow can earn our salvation by doing good works that is heretical that is not biblical that's not true Can we do enough good works to earn and merit God's salvation? No. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the what? Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we always stop reading Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 on verse 9. We don't go on to read verse 10, the very next verse, which says, we were created in Christ Jesus as God's what? Workmanship to do good works that he prepared for us to do in advance so it's the cart before the horse thing we have got to always make sure we're clear on this we are saved by grace through faith that's it it's the gift of god we can't earn that we, that's legalism if you think you're trying to work your way to heaven you're never going to get there Amen. that's legalism But once you are saved and in this relationship with God, God says, "Okay, now you're in my house. Now you're in my family. I got a bunch of good things for you to do. I've prepared for you some good what? Good works. And you know where you start? Look at his commandments and obey what you understand. It's very, very simple. It's like, hey, just start doing the things that you understand to do. Right. Start with the Ten Commandments. I don't care. The the first two commandments are really vague. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we all want to do that, but how do you do that? How do you love God and your neighbor? Well, look at the Ten Commandments. That's a good place to start. And as you start doing and obeying the Ten Commandments, you begin to see that this is the life that God intended for me to live. I'm not earning my salvation. That's legalism. But now that I am saved, I don't have to do these things, but I what? I want to do them. Why? Because Jesus said, if you what? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's how you show your love for God and your neighbor. So that's one aspect of legalism that we need to make sure we eliminate completely. And the other aspect of legalism is that we can get into this self-righteous attitude where we start judging other people and we, we try to make them feel guilty for not being as spiritual as we are. We can cut that out right now. Because last time I looked, you need to take the log out of your own eye before you help your brother take the what? Speck out of his eye, right? I got enough issues and problems in my life, I can't be worried about what you're doing. I got to look at myself in the mirror every day and examine myself and say, Am I living up to the standard that God has commanded and called me to do? Probably not. I got my own struggles, my own sins, my own issues. I don't ever want you to feel like you're less than or you feel guilty because you're not at church every Sunday morning or you don't show up for this or show up for that or, or whatever. These are, these are things that we can begin to do as Christians to put legalistic standards on people that all, all that's going to do is discourage them from wanting to continue to walk with the Lord. It's going to discourage them from wanting to be part of this body of Christ. Listen, your relationship with God is between who? You and God. Amen. That's not my business. And it's not your business to judge me either or anybody else. So that's another form of legalism that we don't want to have anything to do with and we don't want to participate in in this church. So as I clarify and I finish this message, I just want to remind you guys that keeping God's law is not legalism. It's not. It's love. It's the very definition of how we love God and love people. So we probably need to get reacquainted with God's law. So at the end of the day, don't forget, obedience to God's commandments, his value system, will only produce and yield what? Blessing. Who wants to be blessed? I do. I know everybody in this room can look back throughout their life. I've had to do this a lot lately. Every curse in my life, every pain and struggle and hurt and and problem in my life was because of one thing and one thing alone. I broke God's law. That's it. I broke God's commandments. And that is when I felt the burden and the heaviness and the weight and the consequences of my sin. If I had just obeyed him to begin with, I would have experienced none of that pain, none of that, none of those consequences. So, guys, right here in Genesis 26, we see Abraham, the father of our faith. This is a man who loved God. He listened to God, and he obeyed God's commandments, and he loved God's Torah, and he lived his life in a way that honored God in that way and I think we should try to be the same and we know we want to be like Jesus amen and that is exactly who Jesus Christ is when he came into the flesh he was the fullest expression of God's Torah the embodiment of truth itself right there on display and that's who we want to strive to be like amen Amen. love God love people that's your application today you ready it's very simple love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself and maybe open up some of those first five books of the Bible from time to time and read them again. Because you know what, guys? We've gotten away from that. Maybe it's time we open up the Torah again and say, okay, what, what are God's values? Maybe I need, to, I need to go in there and find out what is he really talking about? What, what, are, what is the law that he wants us to obey? I think it's a good place for us to start. So I'm gonna just go ahead and pray for us, and then we're gonna sing one more song together. So I'm gonna ask, I think Diana to come on back up. But you guys, let's just bow our heads together, and let's uh, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for giving us uh, some guidance, giving us some instructions, Lord, that bless our life, and that, Lord, we can we can understand that obedience to your commandments brings blessing. So, Lord, whatever we can do, just just help us to have the the strength and the courage to obey. Whatever we don't understand, Lord, help us not to worry about it. And hopefully, Lord, we will grow and and we'll we'll grow up and and understand more and more each and every day. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll help us to love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and and all of our strength, Lord, and that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And in doing that, you tell us that we fulfill the entire law just by love. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.